You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to be back with you. We have, I think, one of the densest podcast talking points we've ever had <laughs> for this episode. It's, we have a lot. You kept adding things. They're great stuff. You kept adding things. It could be like, the, oh, that's right. We're going to talk There's about that, There's a lot too. to talk about. There's a ton of stuff. But we're going to start right here. You remember long ago and far away uh-huh. when there were actual newspapers? I Vaguely. You know, you'd come down, you'd have breakfast, and Dad would have the, the this that happened in my house, Dad would have the newspaper out, the whole thing. Okay. Right? In the little tiny corner of the newspaper was the corrections center. Remember this? Right, It was yes. like this little box that was like corrections from what we screwed up yesterday. Yes. I am here with our audio equivalent of the corrections okay. page. Okay. Okay, because I told the story that I thought was really funny that my son told me on the last podcast about the Crosstrek PHEV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A couple of things are wrong here. Many of you have written to us, and rightly so, because the PHEV Crosstrek does exist... And I'm a bonehead that forgot about it, completely, totally forgot it even existed. A couple of things there. I realize we have them all over the place here in Park City. I've never seen one. That's not an excuse, by the way. I've just never seen one. We haven't been sent a press car. They do exist. So that's problem one, is that I call it out as not having one, and it has one. But the problem has grown another head. (laughs) Unfortunately, because I mentioned in passing after the last podcast, mentioned in passing to my son, literally like while we were both walking different directions, hey, I mentioned that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And he turned to me and he said, oh, I haven't showed you the photo yet. Like, You've got a photo. He's got a photo of this car. Oh, my God. Which I hadn't seen. Right. So he pulls right. up the photo on his phone. And, and literally the second he turned his phone to me, I was like, buddy, that's plugged in correctly. That's, a, that's an electric version. He had walked around the car, taken a photo. I had no idea he'd done this. Walked around the car, concluded it was an electric, taken a photo of an electric. I had not seen this photo. He showed, Literally, the minute he turned his phone, I was like, buddy, we're wrong. That's fully an electric car plugged in correctly. So I guess there, there's, two, there's two public service announcements here. I'm going to stand by the fact that there are people that do terrible things in electric car spaces and don't do that. This car was not one of them. Right. right. But secondarily, I have proved once again that you and I are not perfect. I'm relieved that we're not perfect, and I've mentioned before on the podcast, when you know something that somebody else doesn't, we use car information to beat each other over the head with, (laughs) I know something about a car and you don't, and it happens to me all the time. Have you heard of the new thing? No, I haven't. I Mm. haven't just checked the news cycle again lately to know exactly (laughs) what's been released, and I think that's what I love most about Monterey Weekend, which is going on right now. Next podcast, we're going to hopefully cover some standouts from the show, but we're looking Mm -hmm. forward to it. I do we wish we were there, but it's always so much going on. So we'll call out the standouts. I'm sure there'll be so much to talk yeah, about. Yeah. But when you're there, if you've ever been to Monterey Week in uh, third week of August uh, in Monterey, it's absolutely overwhelming. It's madness. But the point is, you always find out about a car you've never heard of mm. or a model from Stutz. All I can think of is the Bearcat from Stutz. <laughs> I had no idea they did all these other cars. No idea. Never seen them. Funny. And here they okay, are for yeah. auction. So I, I love learning constantly. And I think that's the best attitude that we can have. Well, and I screwed up and I have done it for sure. Yeah. Sure. We, we all do. So I appreciate that. And it's, it's no problem. We'll move on. And I want to jump in with the newly released Dodge Charger Daytona SRT mm. Concept EV. Have you noticed that with this concept, Dodge has gone back to two doors for the Charger? Now, the first thing I noticed was the longer wheelbase. Mm -hmm. It looks slightly off to me. Mm. But I'm wondering if there will be a four-door version that Mm. sits on this exact wheelbase. Unknown, it's still a concept. I'm right and I'm wrong about this car. All All right, good. And it has to do with electric vehicles. And the standout thing about this car is the Fratsonic chambered exhaust system. It's an electric car that makes an exhaust noise. It does. As loud as a Hellcat, apparently. (laughs) You describe that as that whistle. It's a little whistle you can put in your mouth. The the actors that stand on the street corner and have the, you know, they paint themselves all silver or gold. and They've got the little buzzy whistle. Kids get them in grab bags. It's that little tiny whistle you put in your mouth and you just blow, exhale and it whistles. It does kind of sound like a big boy version of that, doesn't it? It's very much that, I think. But I think it's cool. And I've said before that sound sells. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But I'm wrong about sound selling because I've attached it 
to ice-powered cars. And here mm. is now okay. a car that will sell and has sound. And Dodge has acknowledged that sound sells by them building this chambered exhaust. It's, yeah. it's like a sound cannon, essentially, <laughs> amplified through <laughs> tubes to make a loud exhaust sound. And everybody knows that it's not an internal combustion They're engine. amplifying the engine. Who cares? That, it sounds yeah. great. And you can still rev your engine and make a noise because that's a huge component of the muscle car ownership. You know, They've acknowledged mm. it. So I'm wrong by saying sound is only attached to gas-powered cars. Interesting. But okay. here that right. sound will continue to sell. What is the flat six whistly air sound that is generated for okay. Porsche 911 electrics okay. in the future? What is that? That's coming. But this has opened everything up. Sorry, I know you have a thought. No, no, no. It's, it's opened I, I, things up. You're, you're making my mind run is what's because happening. Because of the creativity about what Dodge has done, they've stayed firmly in the muscle car category with a lot of creative design work. Yeah. I yeah. think some great looking styling, and they're still making it a large, heavy muscle car. Heavy yeah, yeah. Because of the batteries, but... This thing's going to be quicker and faster than Hellcat, apparently. Of course it will, course it will because it's electric. 800-volt system, all-wheel drive. It's going to get about 10 miles on a charge because it'll really be, <laughs> what, three or 400 or something like that. But you're going to be doing burnouts so much, and you're going to be accelerating so much, you're going to get 10 minutes worth of battery You're, you're going to have half the range that they actually claim <laughs> if you drove it like a normal person. I mean, there's so much going on here. And, and I want to give you kudos because you have been saying forever the only thing for Dodge to do is go crazy electric, and they are doing that here. Here it is. So that is fascinating. It makes you also sense. made me think of this. That means this is going to have to have a button on it where you can hit the accelerator pedal and not move the car. It's going to have to have a button that lets you freewheel to just make the noise of right. the light. It's like putting your car in neutral and blipping the throttle. Yeah. So it's going to have to have mm-hmm. that somewhere, which is really funny to me, because it's not going to be the kind of thing where you can you can keep your foot on the brake and just tap the gas, because the, the amount of torque of, of electric cars is just going to overwhelm that. It's going to have to have a, a freewheel, just make noise button, some of which they probably have. Yes. The thing I think is fascinating about this is you've said forever they have to go electric. It's the only thing they can do crazy electric, and they've done that. Like three or four days before this announcement was the official announcement, by the way, 2023, last year for the gas-powered ones. Mm-hmm. And then it went crickets, and they let the internet kind of explore that idea and get kind of okay with it. <laughs> exactly. And then they went ba-boom. Uh-huh. But this is – what's interesting is this is so to brand. Yes. The look, yes. the concern about sound, the style of it, the big horsepower numbers, they have very much said, we are doing the same thing we've always done with an electric power plant. And I think that's amazing. And I welcome it because I feel like so many other manufacturers are going, you know what we used to do? It was terrible and awful and we're sorry and we're not going to do that anymore. We're only going to do this now with electrics. Right. Right. Why can't we just, what's your version of a really good electric? And I feel like Dodge is the first one to come out and be like, Maybe the Ford Lightning, maybe is the other exception. Yeah. But Dodge is the first one to come out and be like, this is exactly what we do. By the way, it's an electric. I think because you and I first explored this idea on the video that we shot of the Cadillac Lyric. Yeah. And that is EV technology allowing car manufacturers to kind of be themselves in a way they never were before or get back to their roots. Yeah. Because of all the things that are explored. From the Fratzog logo, bringing that back from the 60s and 70s. It was just a made-up word by a designer, but they're using it again here. On the Lyric, Cadillacs were always known in the 60s and 70s for this ultra-luxurious, leading-edge, yeah, yeah, yeah. new technology. Super Isolate quiet, you from well, yep. the world. You know, It's a Cadillac of something. They're back with the Lyric, I think. They're taking it even, even further with the Celestique. And it's 10-foot wheelbase. It's 10-foot long wheelbase. It's, it's going to ride it's really nicely. Nutty. Yeah, for sure. But here's Dodge embracing their old roots that everybody loves about them with brand new technology, and they're able to push it even further. Everything about this is super creative. And so if you've been afraid, kind of like I have, that future electric cars are just going to be awful bubbles on wheels and very soulless and no character, this has gobs of personality. The yeah, creativity oozes out of this thing the wheelbase is slightly too long but they did put four carbon buckets in there so there's plenty of space but maybe if you move the b pillar slightly and then just draw a shut line down to the rear wheels here here's the four-door charger you're fixing it live i love it yes yeah i mean this look the only all about this thing brilliant the only hold back i have is of course this is a concept so what's Dodge sure. really sure. going to do? I also think that Dodge is in one of the hardest positions of a company trying to go electric. 
Yeah. Because if you're buying a Dodge Hellcat, you are the exact opposite person that is considering an electric. In most cases, I'm sure some of you are one, one sure. of you is going to write us about your electric commuter and your Hellcat in the garage. I'm sure that exists. Yes. But in general, this is the non-electric car buyer that buys a Dodge. So Dodge yes. has a huge way to go, to go, and this shows at least that they're thinking it through and they're thinking about their buyer versus just thinking we must go electric. And I hope that they actually follow this rabbit trail and it becomes real in a form like this versus just a concept that we're all talking about. I hope it's real. Well, this is a shout-out to Ford and the Mustang because the, the real Mustang, the actual yeah, Mustang, yeah, yeah. what everybody knows to be a Mustang, sure. this kind of opens up the door for that and the Camaro. Yeah. And the Corvette yeah. and every other sports car on the planet to have its own identity and explore all these creative ideas. I mean, mm. some of them are kind of tongue in cheek, the erupt transmission. Yeah. And we've gone mm-hmm. Banshee now instead of Hellcat. Mm-hmm. And we're embracing all these kind of funny terms. But hey, they're out there. They're doing it. It has its own distinct Dodge flavor. I welcome it because mm-hmm. it's so separate. It's just for them. No other car company can do what they're doing. Does the Banshee logo look like the Daredevil superhero? Or is it just me? So just you with you, a white you beard. Think, think about it. Right, right, right in. I'm seeing yourselves. a white beard, but, but it looks looks okay. kind of like the Daredevil superhero to me. But anyway, so. there's that's the Banshee. So it, yeah, Dodge is doing dodgy things in spite of going <laughs> EV. But in speaking of Dodge, they also did this at the same time. The Hornet. Mm-hmm. Which is a rebadged Alpha? I mean, a reworked it's Alpha. It's the Tonale. There you go. Rebadged. Yes. So there's the Hornet. Well, the RT version is the variant that is the hybrid 1.3 liter turbocharged four cylinder with an electric motor at the rear axle for a combined total of 285 horsepower and 383 pound feet of torque. Six speed automatic and a power shot feature that gives you Whoa. an extra 25 horsepower for 15 seconds because that is going to be the standout feature of this nondescript vehicle it's yet another entry into the five seat yeah. cuv sameness with dodge salt sprinkled on it you know seriously dodge salt exactly that's dodge what they've flavor. done they've just put dodge flavoring on it come with that little flavor packets <laughs> oh and gosh. and they've and they've taken a, a name that has dodge history uh-huh. and they've done things to make i mean the, the big things they were talking about with this is how it's going to be the fastest most powerful thing in its segment yeah. Because this, yeah. and I say that not actually as a slap at Dodge. I say it because this is the segment where it is nearly impossible to differentiate yourself mm-hmm. because there's too many vehicles already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Everybody has an offering. Are. Yes. I welcome this as well. And the last car we need to discuss, best for last, right? Welcome to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Deep breath, Paul. I won't spend too much time on it. Is the 2023 911 GT3 RS, which is a. St- Astounding. I watched the video. Uh-huh. I watched everything about it. I know. Andreas Printinger was, he was great on camera, by the way. And he was charismatic and he was walking the viewer around the car mm-hmm. and making things make sense. Of course, the animations were all in the videos yeah, or yeah. the actual thing. But Porsche has thrown down with yeah, this vehicle. Yeah, for sure. It's all about aerodynamics. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. The, the power bump is just slight over the gt3 but it's a completely different engine i mean it's got different uh cams Mm, and valve mm. train and unbelievable i think this is amazing i love how it looks i'm astounded by the arrow making a Mm -hmm. rear engine car do what it can do yes there there's stats and stats and stats and stats and stats yeah i you know what i i won't go through everything i just encourage you to look (laughs) at this car if you have interest I'm sure this won't be available in North America or the U.S., but the carbon fiber reinforced plastic roll bar. That is bizarre. What? The, the center radiator I thought was interesting because the center mm-hmm. radiator essentially exists where the 911 frunk has always been, which yes. means you've lost the, that usability. And, and I bring this up because when we go to Germany, we go to Spa in, in Belgium, we go to the Ring in Germany, and mm-hmm. we see that we joke about the GT3 dispenser because they're all over there. And the minute you get in one of those cars, and we recently did, we have a video coming yeah. with GT3s and the, the Cayman GT4 RS, and I will say it now, and people will say it in the comments, this car, the new 992 GT3 RS, was not announced when we were there. It was not available to be driven. It has still not been driven, by the way, right, by, by the right. press. It was doing camo runs. And we knew, we're like, the best we can get is the current GT3. We don't have the RS, but we've got the current GT3. We've got the past GT3 RS. We have the GT4. Just it's no an amazing slouch. video, which was a, it's a fantastic I will piece. take one. Very excited about it. I have a love-hate relationship with the GT3 lineup because every time we drive it, it's brilliant. 
Yeah. And it is, you understand why people buy them and track them. My issue is, (laughs) it's like 40% of Porsche cars now are being bought as the GT cars. 40% 40% of their cars are the GT cars. And that means <laughs> that the five seat SUVs the majority, of the Porsche. The majority of them are being driven in traffic with a Starbucks in the cup holder. Yeah. Yeah. And that is an utter waste of these cars. Agreed. Agreed. But this one is brilliant. I have to also call out the full downforce available at 285 kilometers an hour. And it's a it's a ton of downforce. It's like it's like the weight of my lotus worth of downforce, two thousand right. pounds on this car. That is unbelievable. And very impressive. At just under 200 miles an hour, it's like a Lotus Elise sitting on the roof. And that means yeah. 99.95% of owners will <laughs> never experience the entire downforce. But you know what the, ta- what the stat is, and I guarantee you <laughs> that every owner will know that stat. But what's interesting is they didn't go after necessarily power. True. And usually True. it's all about power when it's the big boy yeah. version from any car company. It's always about the maximum power. Mm-hmm. Rarely... Has a company gone after all the aerodynamic aids to make this faster? Mm. And that was the, the last big thing. That's what was Carol Shelby's thing. Yeah. Aerodynamics and, and exploring that. Mm-hmm. That's what Porsche has done. The power bump is slight over the GT3. Yeah. It's like 18 more horsepower, 20 more horsepower, something like that. Yeah. Not that much. The car has plenty. <laughs> but as far as aerodynamics and sticking the car to the ground sure. and what it can do to go faster through turns, it's, I mean, they're proving you don't need a whole lot more power. It's a 525 horsepower car, which is a lot, but it's not a thousand horsepower electric car. True. You're right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this. (laughs) I'm telling you, there'll be a whole separate podcast where just Paul just drools over this car. We could almost like peel one off and just be like, here you go. Paul talking about the 911 GT3 RS. It is very cool. For the first time on a Porsche, the upper edge of the rear wing is higher than the car's roof. Okay. I'll drink to that. Okay. I love Porsche. Probably because in the past GT3s, uh, when you looked out your rearview mirror, all you saw was the word Porsche on the wing. So somebody was like, let's just make the wing higher so we can see out the back. Can we? It's all arrow. Can we do that? Love it. All right, moving on. We are back to repeat episodes on our TV season 11, Saturday, mm-hmm. August 20, 20th, is a repeat of Trucklets, which is a video currently available on our YouTube channel. Yep. But these are the Utes. We explore the Utes. And Maverick versus Santa Cruz. So that is airing 7.30 Eastern on Saturday, August 20th on the Motor Train Cable Channel. Coming Appreciate soon to Amazon viewership. as well. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, we've got everything coming soon to uh, to other streaming platforms. So yep. that's good. And also on our Test Drive Videos channel is the Volkswagen Mark 8 Golf R review. So that has dropped. We spent some time with it and yeah, we're came glad away to get it, yeah. really liking the car. So check that out. We hope it uh, hope it does well. Lots of discussion about that versus the GTI versus prior generations. It's it's fairly in-depth in spite of the fact that it is done in test drive style. We, get, we cover a lot of ground, so I hope you watch it. We can't thank our TV sponsors enough. Covercraft with their code EVERYDAY22 when you're shopping. Griot's Garage is eDriver. 15% off liquids, 10% off everything else when you're checking out, and autotempest.com slash everyday. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing, and this one is no exception. Brand new this year, Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there, so no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's fees, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace and take a look around. We think you'll love it. Andre writes to us from, I believe, California, asking which $50,000 Grand Tour should he consider. Mm, I like this. Wow. Well, he's got a V8 manual Mustang already on order, so what other Grand Tour should he consider? When he was 13 or 14, he saw a brand new silver FRS sitting in a Toyota and Scion dealership. He had no idea what it was, <laughs> but thought it was the coolest thing his mom could possibly buy. <laughs> Shout out to his mom. I did like that. I thought it, it didn't go where I expected. It's like, I'm going to buy it. No, my mom should buy that. Yeah. <laughs> but much to his disappointment, she opted to go for the Mazda CX-5 because she said, people should fit in the back seat when they all go somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, mom needs a mom car. I understand. <laughs> it doesn't quite work for mom. I get it. Well, Andre has fast forwarded to his first year in full time work and full time college. He happened to find a great deal on a WRX STI at Invoice just before the 2020 model year began. Okay. Fell in love at first sight, the World Rally Blue STI. 
But after three years, a handful of mischievous friends and a how do I not have any points on my record later, <laughs> yes. he's come to the realization that his car never served his original purposes. He wanted the all-wheel drive, the back seat, and an affordable price point, but he said they were all usurped in one way or another. The car was too loud and bouncy to the point where the only person who was willing to drive with Andre was hopefully his one-day minister of finance. So essentially what you're saying is uh, the... the <laughs> The special person in your life has decided to tolerate this car. Is essentially that's reading between the lines. Everybody <laughs> exactly. else, everybody else doesn't love you that much, <laughs> and they do, which is great. Yeah. Well, he says with the V8 level of consumption, he didn't get any benefits of a V8, but all the consumables of 17 miles per gallon, 10,000 mile <laughs> lifespan tires, and Brembo brake costs. But at this point, he's graduated with his COVID-19 e-diploma and joined the e-workforce, and he wanted to get something different. He wanted to move on from the WRX. Something better that's out of the box. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that means he's looking for a balance of comfort and luxury and sportiness. His key takeaway that from the WRX is that he's not happy that he's developed old car ownership habits from a brand new car. All that stuff you make excuses for, mm -hmm. he shouldn't have that already. And he's already at, well, why is that rattling? And, and is, wait, what, is that the lifter I'm hearing? And, and wait, did I push the car too hard? Is it going to starve right. for oil? And what do I have? Hmm, what's that dashboard light? It's a 2020, folks. <laughs> right. But he says after helping his MOF track down her lifelong dream car, in the form of a 2022 Mustang GT Premium 10-speed, it started to get him more involved in the idea of having a Mustang. And so he put an order for a 2022 red ruby metallic Mustang GT Premium, optioned with the manual, the California special styling package, and a few other nice-to-haves, digital display, and the adjustable exhaust. But that would mean, theoretically, two identical Mustangs in the garage. Yeah, that's the key thing here, is that, that, that you found the woman in your life a... Mustang GT Premium, and you went and ordered a Mustang GT Premium. Now, I'm not taking anything away from that Mustang GT. It's very good. Will she not let you drive hers? It's very good, but I, off I'm very surprised that your takeaway from finding her, and you describe it as her lifelong dream car. I'm also going to give you this little hint, Andrew. Don't, don't, um, don't take that away from her, Oh, Andre. It, 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 let, let her, if it's her lifelong dream car... And you get a clone. Interesting. You've taken the shine off that just just the tiny. I don't think it's a bad thing because she likes the car, but um, mm. but we're also talking about you've got six to eight months till delivery of a duplicate, right, of the car that's already in your garage. Well, he says he could buy it for MSRP at fifty two thousand dollars before taxes and without markup. But he says without the, the sport packages, he saves about ten grand, and he could. Trade that extra sportiness for a perfectly comfortable car for road trips and sure. canyon roads. But is that the right choice? He says having the practicality of the WRX is something his brain doesn't want to leave. He just fears the unknown, the what ifs. And of course, his dream car is a 911 GT3 with a manual. <laughs> Which, by the way, is not overly usable. I want to just acknowledge it's, that. You know, usable yeah. enough. Uh -huh, There's uh -huh, compromises. Yeah. But he compares that and he says this is a steal at a mere $100,000 plus discount. More like Two fifty because those GT3s are $340,000. But he's but saying still. that the Mustang would be more than $100,000 yeah. cheaper. It'd be, yeah, you're right, more like $200,000. <laughs> yeah. He says, this seems like a great Walmart brand execution of the same idea. Ooh, your word's not mine. Somewhere a 911 Ooh. owner is writing Andre a nasty email for nice, daring to, to connect the dots between a Mustang and a 911. Gulp. Okay, yeah. A very close second for his dream car would be an LC500. Okay. But $50,000 also buys you a lot of cars that make it difficult to stay focused on this 911 LC500 ideology. Yes. He loved his dad's manual BMW M2 competition before he sold it and Ooh. considered getting that or yeah. same gen M240i, but he fears that out of warranty specialized work. Do not fear, Andre. <laughs> I have a 40-year-old Porsche. <laughs> you want to talk about out-of-warranty work. <laughs> yeah. Paul is leading the charge, yeah. But his MOF's strong aversion to BMW is a consideration as well. Mm, that's a good Rather not ruffle feathers there. But he also admits, he brings up when we've discussed the two white cross-trek scenario. He's it's white like, outbacks, but yes. Uh -huh. or out outbacks, yes. He, he admits that it amuses him, but it's not necessarily ideal. So he acknowledges that. He just sort of plunked down, uh -huh. and the car's on its way. He got all excited about that Mustang. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. But he also doesn't have a need for a, a four-seater. 
Since all his practicality needs can be resolved by borrowing a family member's truck or SUV. That is key right there. You're right. So that leaves you open. If your MOF will let you drive her car occasionally, it'll give you your fix for that car and you can go explore other things. Agreed. Even though you've driven a Cayman GTS 4.0 at the Porsche Experience Center. Yes, that's also a bit of a different price point. Mm -hmm. And he says it was a bit cramped. Andre, we don't know how tall you are. I mean, he's wondering, Todd, how you fit in your Lotus the answer is just fine. Yeah, just fine. Carefully. The 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 in, <laughs> entering and getting out is is a kind of a little circus trick that I do, but once I'm in there it's actually great. Andre has considered the new Civic Type R. He's made peace with his Honda aversion and badge snobbery to okay. maybe be open-minded to that. Good. Good. He's it's talked about it. the new Z. He says that is bang on for his love of the design of the 240Z, the shape of 1960s sports cars. He says he can always increase the budget but he's worried he'll go Uh-oh. nuts waiting for the Mustang. Uh-oh. Okay. Hmm. And he says used cars. He says they don't get easier to insure or maintain mm-hmm. because he's looking at the Alfa Romeo Giulia Quadrifoglio. You'd love it. He says he's not sure about the used Quadrifoglios as far as maintenance. Anything else that we that he should consider to either solidify his stance on the Mustang or maybe talk him out of it. I think that's definitely part of the equation here. His garage includes, his history includes too many Coopers, an STI, and an RX-8 that never ran before he finally sold it. Andre, there's a lot going on here, man. I, wow. mm, I, you've got $50,000, and you're thinking, let's just have two Mustangs. Let's not have two Mustangs. I, and, but and they're I, not just two Mustangs. It's not like a GT500 and an no, old you're right. Mustang. Absolutely, it's you're right. two of the identical mm-hmm. model year premium yes. manual yes. transmission. You didn't go buy a white Outback. You bought a GT Mustang. <laughs> Step it's one. An excellent car. I don't have any yeah. issues with yeah. it. But you don't need two. You just no. don't need two. I love the Lotus Elise. I don't need two. Okay? I, we like our GR86. Don't need two. I like my three. I mean, I can keep going. The point I mean, is, there, I have my Cayman GTS, but then there's the GT4 RS, and I could see two. See, I you know, I would come down on you for that because that's just stop. Okay, you don't know, we don't need two. Is my point. So <laughs> so we got to walk away from the Mustang. The fact that that you're not really on the hook for that thing. It's on order. They're going to be able to sell that car. Don't worry about it. I've got a couple things you need to drive, and then I think I may have walked my way to the answer. Oh yeah, on the drive list is the Jaguar F Type. Go drive that car. You're wanting kind of another GT car, so something kind of in the vein of the Mustang, but you want it to be nice, and and you're coming out a little bit of post-traumatic stress coming out of that WRX. You want it to feel like a nicer experience. Go drive a Jaguar F-Type. Yeah. Now, you may be concerned about maintenance on that. I understand you're already concerned about the Alpha. Maybe, but I think it's worth driving and seriously considering. You mentioned when you drove that Cayman, you didn't fit very well, which I'm wondering what seats in that Cayman specifically. That's a question. You also said it was not quite as initially involving as you hoped. So what you should look at is a first-gen Cayman. Oh, that's the good. The 987. Yes. Spend like 30, 35 at the most on a gorgeous oh, that's early good. Cayman. You have money left over. It gets you the Porsche experience that you want because you can't get into a GT3. I'm, I'm actually a little shocked if you can't fit in that car. Now, I, now there's a, a huge, wide range of seats. And seats are a personal thing. And some of the Porsche seats are aggressive and difficult. They're those seats that like, now that I'm in here, I'm good. But anything other than that, it's like, I I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> These seats are almost offensive. They're grabbing me so hard. <laughs> it's like, I mean, they're good. But... I, don't, I don't know you that well. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so, so be considerate of your seats there. That's a, that's a possibility. And then I'm going to ask a question of a car you haven't thought of at all. Okay. We started this email with, I saw a silver FRS. I decided it was the coolest car I've ever seen. I begged my mom to get it, and you've never mentioned the GR86? Yeah, he did walk away from it, didn't he? It, 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 why? Why not? You're talking about you like a little bit of usability, you like something that's kind of a Mustang uh, idea, which is a 2 plus 2, mm-hmm. long nose, rear-wheel mm-hmm. drive car. The 86 would be brilliant now. I think it may be too close to the WX as far as like the rattles and, the, and that kind of thing. I think it might be too close in that regard. I don't think it's the answer, but I'm shocked you aren't even considering it. And then I thought, wait, I think I have your answer. Okay. You loved the FRS, the look of it. You yeah. loved the feel of it, that long nose, the sharp front end. You like that kind of thing. You like the Mustang, rear-wheel drive. You'd really like to have a V8. You'd like something with some good usable space. It'd be nice if it was a little bit more of a GT car. My friend, Andre... 
Go buy a C7 Corvette. Thank you. Yes. C7 Corvette. Yes. Mustang GT C7 Corvette. You're a very happy couple with two amazing cars. Andre, as I was reading your email, I couldn't help thinking Toyota GR Super the whole way through. And then I got to your part where you said MOF doesn't like BMWs and anything Bavarian. Yeah, Yeah, that's a bit of a concern. BMW issue or engine. I thought, well... Maybe I could convince you, but I decided to let that lie. Okay. Good, good thought, though, still. But Todd's absolutely right. When you, as a couple, decide for Saturday night date night to go drag race each other, two Mustangs will be so boring. All you're going to get is who dropped the clutch first. It's not date night. It's drag night. Yes. So if you want an actual competition, then you can swap cars and mm. see who has the better reaction time. I like this. You need a C7 Corvette. It's just going to run. You don't have to spend $50,000 on it. Yep. You could. Grand Sports are always on the table. You could get a C606. You could go back. But I love the fact that you would both have entirely different cars. It's not Bavarian. It's going to run. It's the V8 it's, he wants. It's the V8, of course. It's sort of like a large GR86 with a V8, kind of. Yes, yes. It, it's very much the same idea, for sure. That's your car. Break the stere- stereotypes. When people roll up next to you, like, hey, is the old guy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you would love that car. You really would. I think so. At some point, you're going to want to change things on your car. And instead of just thinking about go fast parts, what about stop fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, but why not just upgrade? You can improve your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with the Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit. It includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware you need to complete your upgrade. It's all the little fiddly parts that I always lose. They're included too. Power Stop is on a mission to provide complete and affordable brake upgrade kits for every vehicle on the road today. Whether you're towing, whether you're doing off-roading, track days, including brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes by heading to PowerStop.com. You can enter your vehicle's information in their easy-to-use brake finder, and that matches you with the right brake upgrade kit for your vehicle. Jonathan's writing in from Dallas. He needs a new vehicle for the Minister of Finance that she will not get sick in, which Hmm. sounds, that that headline actually is worse than the reality here, because what's going on is she needs something in the minivan CUV variety with really nice seating position and the ability to look around. We're not going to be buying 86s are right out. Those of you that don't like us to mention the 86 (laughs) does not work here for Jonathan. Finally doesn't. Jonathan is 40. He's married with two kids, 12 and seven in the Dallas Metro area. He's at a loss for himself and the MOF. Their current garage includes a 2018 RAV4 and a 2018 Mitsubishi Mirage G4 with the CVT. If you don't know what that is, that is that for a little bit of period of time in this country, it was the cheapest car available in this country, and it was the one that was available in that nail polish color that was not quite pink and not quite purple. That's the generation of Mitsubishi Mirage awful, awful car that he bought for himself, and he said... (laughs) His wife hates it. She's been nothing but indignant since he brought it home, except for when gas was at its most expensive. And then for, mm. for like a brief, like flicker, when it was at its most expensive, it went from horrible to maybe okay. Well, Jonathan wants them both to get out of the $300 a month car payments they're experiencing while the cars are worth more slightly than they owe. Is that Mirage really worth more yeah, than say, you owe? That sh- that, I mean, I that, know we're in a car market that's turned everything on its head but are we really there nothing nothing would say how crazy the car market is than if a mirage is worth more than you owe anyway yeah wow well the mof's car history include a camry that was totaled a first gen new beetle convertible that was totaled and a toyota corolla Hmm. that was totaled in the same place in the same way as the beetle is this a questionable intersection, or are there other things going on here? See, I'm not sure. Then there I'm was an sure 03 either. Civic yeah. and an 06 Kia Sedona. I would like to stop there, Jonathan, and ask you about the totaling of three cars, especially the third one that was totaled in the exact same spot and same way as the second one. Now, I'm not commenting on anybody's driving, because accidents happen, and yes. the totaling of a car can be to all of us, the most minor infraction, but because of metrics and the car put mm-hmm. up against the car's value, yes. Yes. things are totaled and the car is taken away. Mm-hmm. It could yep. be totally benign. We bought a $5,000 car. It got hit last week. 
minor hit, but it's going to cost more than the $5,000 car is worth. That car's totaled. Yes. We think brand new pristine rolled out of the dealership, got sideswiped and horrible. Doesn't mean that. But she wants a 2018 and newer Acura SUV or Lexus SUV or a Toyota minivan or a Honda minivan. It's got to have leather, rear air conditioner, a screen as le- at least as the big as the RAV4 for fifteen dollars to $25,000. I like it. Okay. Yeah. I think she can definitely do well I, in that. I think, I think we've got options there for sure. Well, Jonathan wishes he could talk her into a Lexus CT200H. Really? You like those? He says he loves the design, but they're too old for her taste. And then, of course, the potential battery replacement is an issue yeah. in the future. Now, Jonathan's car history includes a Chrysler Fifth Avenue. Whoa. From 1987. Don't see many of those listed. A couple of Dodge Neons. A Toyota pickup uh, from 93. A Dodge Durango XST. A PT Cruiser and a Mercury Grand Marquis. Okay. Oh, good. But he has had his dad's NC um, MX-5 Miata. That is the curveball of this list. Okay. Otherwise, for sure. Yeah. So he's looking for something more fun to drive. Shouldn't be hard. Yes. More fun. Wait, wait, wait. To review. More fun than his Mitsubishi Mirage. This is the right. bar, folks. His, <laughs> right. his wife, Jonathan's wife, will be very happy in whatever SUV or minivan we solve. Jonathan needs to beat the Mirage. Okay? I just want to reestablish the bar. We're having fun with you, Jonathan. Yes, we are. The only vehicles that his wife said she doesn't get sick riding in were the Sedona and the Grand Marquis. Okay. And he says he's witnessed the aftermath of a rollover accident recently, and he's trying to steer her towards sedans and minivans. And so also his daughter scratched the neighbor's car with the door of the Grand Marquis. He had an epiphany. Hmm. (laughs) He wants sliding doors, not opening doors. Got it. Okay. Jonathan has had track experience and supercar experience with a GTR and a Huracan in the infield road course at Texas Motor Speedway. What do we think for Jonathan here? What do we think for both of them, actually? I mean, I think both cars are on the table to go. Oh, I think for sure. The RAV4 is fairly new at 2018. I think it's time to wipe clean and start over, Jonathan. This is this is definitely where he's at because he's wanting to to take advantage of things while they're worth stuff and buy less. The only thing you didn't give us, Jonathan, is you didn't give us your ideal budget. You're looking at cars in the random 5,000 range. In fact, you listed, I have to say them here, the two you're really looking at are a 2,000 Neon 5-speed with 90,000 miles for 5,500 or a 2,000 Pontiac Firebird V6 5-speed for 4,500. So I am guessing... Mm. That you are shopping for less than ten grand for you, and you're shopping for hopefully less than twenty five for your wife. Yeah, but we're going to sell the Rav Four and get some money for it. Well, but he, are but we not? I, but yes, they're going to sell both. They're going to sell them both. But I don't think they're going to walk away with much over maybe thirty thirty five for selling those two cars. And it seems like they don't want to be in debt at all. They're trying to get rid of those car payments. Right. So I, you haven't been specific on your budget, but I'm going to plan for about 25 at the most for your wife, less than 10 for you. What you need to look at is the Lexus RX, the egg. Maybe the first time oh. in the history of the podcast, 700 and something episodes, I've recommended the Lexus egg, but they are the hmm. pioneers of the current scourge of five-seat SUVs. But they those started things, it all. Those things just run. Yeah. The problem is... By the time you just you run, far, the, by the time you get far <laughs> enough back to have one match your budget, it may be an interface you don't like. Yeah, because yeah. The, the Lexus interface they're just now coming out of has been um, difficult. Let's just leave it there. The one prior wasn't great either, so that may be the problem there. A used Honda Odyssey, I think, is your play. I think everybody would be very happy with a used Honda Odyssey. I don't know about mm-hmm. the screen size requirement. Mm-hmm. I wonder about that. In the SUV world, Mazda CX-5. It's just nicer than the RAV4, I think, and, and they've been around a while. The current RAV4 is actually really good. We really like it. I yeah. haven't always liked the RAV4, but the current one's very good. So you're getting out of that one. You're going back in time a little bit. I don't know about the screen requirement, on depending upon where you'll find a Mazda CX-5, but the Mazda CX-5, you're going to buy older and cheaper, but not feel like you stepped down from your newer RAV4. Mm-hmm. I like that. And, of course, we recommend the CX-5. We have for decades, years, decades, right? <laughs> we, Many We've been doing this times. a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a consideration, Jonathan. And I know she wants a 2018 and newer something SUV from Acura Lexus. For this budget, though, up to twenty five grand. i am wondering if you go back another generation to the Acura part. MDX, 
I think that would be a great alt, even though I hear you on the doors. I think that would be a great alternative. I think it's the third generation MDX, the one right before this. You might have to go back to second, but I, I, wanna, I want you to save money. But ultimately, you said you've got car payments, but you have car payments on cars you hate. Yeah. What if you had car payments on cars you love? Maybe. Do, I don't know. Would if that's things change? You, yes. Maybe not. Hopefully. Maybe it's just all about the dollars. Mm-hmm. But if you really liked driving and you enjoyed and you opened up the garage and said, oh, I get to drive this cool thing today and I like it. <laughs> and it's actually a little bit fun, not Mirage. Paying off a Mirage has to be some level of heartbreaking. That's what I'm saying. What if you're yeah. paying off a Honda Civic Touring, Jonathan? Now that's interesting. The brand new, the new one that we had. We've got a video coming out on our yeah, Test Drive yeah, Videos yeah. channel. It was 28600 bucks. Okay. All in. Yeah. I'll bet you the car payments can be about the same what you're paying currently, mm. but you have a brand new car with a warranty, brand new, and they're fun to drive. Yeah, yeah They're yeah. interesting and engaging, and it's going to last you a long time. What if you were making one car payment on that and spent all your dollars on the MDX or used RDX for her or Todd's Possibly. minivan suggestion or the CX-5? You've got driving homework to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe we went down to one car payment at least. We're halfway there, but... On the other hand, you're not in some 22-year-old Pontiac Firebird V6. Yeah, that's my concern. For because, Jonathan, yeah, sure. you're saving money, and I know now's the time, especially with kids. You're yeah, trying to save money. Sure. I get that, that that will make the budget work. I know mm-hmm. that's primary importance. But I also want you to have something fun to drive and safe and modern tech and yeah, good yeah. to drive, very reliable, warranty, all those things. So what if you're making just one car payment on a Honda Civic Touring, it's the mm-hmm. hatch, mm-hmm. and then... Bought cash, you know, something else. Interesting. And the, the Civic Touring actually is one of those cars we joke about a lot. It has a shocking amount of space in it. It's so It's great. not a very huge car when you look at it, but it's got a lot of space for you and the family. That's interesting. You I put hadn't it in thought sport about that. mode, and it's, there's some fun it's, elements it's about good. it. It's no sports car. We're not yeah. expecting it to be. But that video will come out, and when it does, Jonathan, take a look at that. I have to say a couple things for you, Jonathan, because, again, I think you're working with less than ten grand for you. In cash, I think oh. his 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 oh. car's less than ten grand. So yeah. we're doing the roughly twenty twenty five for your wife. But I, I'm sorry, Jonathan, you're not going to like this, but I'm going to say it. No more neons. Yeah, no more neons. Your options you. that you've listed are a, a neon. You've had neons, so and they're getting really old now. So no. The other thing is a V six Pontiac Firebird. That's just going to be disappointing every time you drive it. Yeah. The V6 of that era, the the 2000s V6 Pontiac Firebird, you're not going to be, that car is going to be disappointing. If you had the V8, okay. But the V6 Pontiac from that era, I just don't think that's worthwhile. What you need to shop is if you want a hatchback, look at the early Mini Coopers like I had. The 05 or so Mini Coopers. The very early of the BMW first gen are I know this is crazy to say, much more reliable than the second gen when they left the supercharger. Right. Now, maintenance records are key. And, of course, the one I had was a one-off, with perfect maintenance record. Yeah. It practically like, disassembled the engine every winter for fun. So it was, it was, it was a brilliant car. But <laughs> Most they're, people go on vacation. <laughs> the thing is, they're not worth much. Yeah. Those early minis aren't worth much. You can get a lot of car for your money. That's what I was able to pull off. So look at an early mini. Yes, there's some maintenance things to, to look out for, but they're known issues. If those are solved, then that car is probably going to be pretty good. It's good flavor. I like that. Yeah, that that that, that compared to a neon, oh. much more modern, much <laughs> oh, more yeah. interesting. I think it's good. The other one I thought of is don't get a Pontiac Firebird. Get a Pontiac Solstice or a Saturn Sky. Now you have a convertible you can yeah. take your wife out in. This is the GM version of a Miata, and it's surprisingly good. Watch our Cars Under 8000 video, and we talk about that car a lot. That is a, that is a forgotten car, and because it's a forgotten car, they're inexpensive. Mm. You go mm-hmm. ten grand right now in one of those cars, you're buying one of the nicest ones out there. Yeah. Five, six grand, you can find one that is in good shape, that is the non-turbo, and ready to go. Pontiac like Solstice Saturn Sky gets you a lot of fun car. Either one of those. A lot of fun car for your money, and it is a fairly modern car, too. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. If you have to go utility, I have one last one for you, Jonathan. I don't like it as much as the Solstice or the Sky. Get yourself a used Honda Fit. You'll be shocked at what goes in that, and that chassis yes. is just fun. In any makeup, that chassis is fun. Ben, who edits for us sometimes and has worked with us on a lot of things, he used to autocross a fit and be competitive. We've seen fit race cars. Yes. It's a great chassis. That's a get great it in automatic. Idea. Get it in manual if you want a little more fun. That's a worthwhile one. But I hope you'll look at that Solstice. 
EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and car debates. In our awesome questions, thank you guys as always. We do post for questions on Mondays and Thursdays for the podcasts that are Tuesdays and Fridays, and you guys are great about giving those questions to us on social media. We appreciate it. While I'm here, I will say this. Your car debates go to the email address, everydaydrivertv ah, yes. at gmail, or the contact button on our website works as well. They all go the same place. That's how we get those. We do appreciate Topic Tuesdays and that kind of stuff. Also, if you haven't rated the podcast, that genuinely helps. We would appreciate that rating. Hayden's question is for me. How do travel and documentary series make connections for fixers overseas? Are there companies that specialize <laughs> in this? Hayden, what it comes down to is friends of friends and people we know, but in most cases, what they're looking for is people that have film industry resumes in the local area. What you're talking about hiring is actually, yes, they operate in a fixed capacity, but it's somebody that's used to being a producer on a film or they're used to being a location mm-hmm, scout mm-hmm. on a film and they happen to be in Brazil or you know South Africa or somewhere you're shooting, we're going to go to the country of Chad. I guarantee you there is a film community in all of these countries and there's people that have worked on film productions before. And the fact that they're a local allows them to be a fixer for you. I remember when I was traveling for Lord of the Rings, they had hired a ton of people. We actually went to, I went to uh, Buenos Aires and I went to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And in both places we had a fixer who was local and that was how they'd found him. He was in the local film community. Mm-hmm. And so he was actually just operating as our translator and our get things done and get us across customs because he knew that for his country and he had film background in working with productions and that's how it worked. I remember you telling me those stories and it really wasn't that long ago and you were carrying a film canister between yes. your knees mm-hmm. on an airplane and that just, I guess, doesn't happen anymore? No, these it days doesn't at all. all. I got off the plane <laughs> in Brazil and one of the fixers was there to like help you with your luggage and he walked over to me and he tried to take the film can and I said, you can't have it. So he said, no, I'm really trying to help you. And I said, no, you misunderstand. And I'm, I'm late 20s. <laughs> I said, you misunderstand. This is worth more than I am. I'm going to hang on to this. And he went, you said that? Just straight faced. I said, this is worth more than I am. I'm going to hang on to this. And he went, okay, I'll let you have that. I said, thank you very much. (laughs) Or AM just heard a discussion by Sandy Monroe on AutoLine, who suggested that huge stampings like Tesla's Gigapress is a manufacturing technique that car makers should follow. Can we discuss, especially related to enthusiast cars, and is this a lot like the benefits and downfalls of Volkswagen's MKB platform? Or is he totally off in the weeds? No, this is an excellent manufacturing method. What you're talking about isn't really a stamping machine. It's the world's biggest aluminum die casting machine, which is fascinating if you dive into the stats about this thing, because it's as big as a house. And when I was working at Tesla with the design team back in 2016, 2017, they kept talking about wanting to build this upcoming Model 3 in about seven components. Mm-hmm. They wanted the subframes, then they wanted the, you know, the main chassis, and then hang the body panels on, install the interior. And they wanted to do the entire car in about seven different big steps. Wow. There's parts that go into yeah, the interior, of for course, sure, yeah. but they considered you know, the instrument panels sort of one, and mm-hmm. you know, the seat's interior is one, and the subframes is one. So this could actually... It will continue, and I think manufacturers... This is what I'm talking about when I discuss manufacturing technologies, Mm. creating new opportunities for designers to take advantage of. But the design team has to very much be aware of these technologies, not just the engineers. Mm. I think it's absolutely appropriate. I think it's fantastic because on some of these, it will replace 50 smaller die cast parts that are then screwed or glued together. Mm. The investment in this makes all kinds of sense for large runs like Tesla is doing. They've mm-hmm. got them all over the world in Berlin and Texas, uh, Shanghai. Yeah, yeah. They've invested in, in these huge, like I said, as big as a house die casting machines The aluminum goes in. I mean, they use soybean oil as a mold release. The parts come out of the tool at 400 degrees Celsius and they cool down. The next cycle is between one and two minutes. But for the cost of these to amortize over time, yeah, 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 you've got to have just the one chassis. Sure, the next Model 3 styling will come out, but those are easy body panels to change. Mm. And once Mm. you've crash tested the assembly and the structure, Yeah, it definitely saves time, and I think it's a great idea, and especially, Jorge, for your question about enthusiast cars, which implies smaller, more lightweight cars. That'd be nice. The entire chassis could be done in a shot. 
Mm. That's intriguing. Yeah, that a is. A small two-door roadster and then the batteries and drivetrain go in either mm-hmm. from the sides or up underneath. The interior plops in. Mm-hmm. Body panels are hung on. We might be able to do it in less than seven steps. Big That's steps. interesting. Which is very encouraging. And that gives designers a lot of freedom to think of how can we you know, create new designs. All right, so we just have this envelope, the batteries and the motors just that's the size of they are, you know, mm. and they just kind of screw in or glue in and they just sit there and then the chassis will allow us all this new freedom. This plus what we've talked about discussed at the top of the podcast about the Dodge charger concept and yeah, yeah. being its own flavor. I'm very encouraged by this. I'm mm. excited okay. by what this will okay. enable teams to do and create cool new cars for the future. The only thing I can think of that is the downside is crashing. It will take very specialized, highly trained repair shops to repair any part of this perfect cast aluminum subframe, Mm. cut it out and weld in a new part, which is possible, but it's never going to be as good as the original. And the chances of getting a new full one would mean you have to be making just loose ones out of the press at the original assembly Right. There's no point. You might as well buy a new car unless Mm. you could take parts off i suppose but then that's so much effort and trouble Mm. so Mm. we we have to explore it as far as we can go i mean humankind humanity and the engineering teams to explore it far enough before repairs are cost prohibitive because that's something car manufacturers always have to take into consideration yeah yeah. oh yeah this is going to go to a body shop and you know the value of the car is pretty high so we have to make it easy to repair I remember going to repair shops 10 years ago and I ran into a Mercedes sitting at one and uh, there was $60,000 worth of damage to the car. Mm. And the guy told me, he said, well, we're going to fix it because we have the specialized tools from Germany to do it. Also, the car is worth more than $150,000. So the repairs are less than the cost of the car. So we're going to fix it. Do you want $60,000 worth of repairs? I don't really want to drive that car. Mm. So we... It depends on how crashed the car is, how damaged the superstructure is, but it can be a boon from a manufacturing and speed and light weighting process, or it could be actually be a hindrance. The slightest thing totaled the car, even though somebody with a big Not welder and chop <laughs> saw could actually take care of it, but it's never going to be as good as the original. So what's, what's the balance? What's the tipping point? I can't answer that, mm. but I like that Tesla is doing this in various parts and they're thinking like let's do that entire subframe just as one shot why not we can buy another house press let's yeah they're doing it steve urban is asking a couple questions about the aptera now if you haven't looked up the aptera just go google it right now it looks like remember the movie demolition man i know this is weird sylvester stallone back to stallone wesley snipes sandra bullock when she was really young and incredibly gorgeous she's been gorgeous her whole life but at that time she looked like a like a doll it's yeah. re- in that movie she looks like a like a doll it's very strange yeah, she's very but different. anyway uh, lots of people in it the three shells gag the whole thing about the restroom and <laughs> yeah. three shells and rob schneider was in there oh no it goes so on and on funny. but the point i'm bringing up is that movie was made in the 90s <clears throat> was it really in the 90s oh my gosh. but they tried to make it, it was he was way into the future like now and they tried to make all the cars look futuristic so they took cars of the era and they either took the craziest <laughs> concepts of the era or they took cars of the era and they made them as as futuristic as they could the Aptera looks like the star of some movie they're going to make right now for 30 years from now. It doesn't mm-hmm. look like a car. It looks like a, a, a form. What was the thing you guys used to design? It was just the speed form. Doing, it looks like a speed form. Mm-hmm. It's this cockpit with little wheel struts. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a three-wheeled car concept, which gets us into that whole thing where lots of little, <clears throat> you can't see the air quotes, startups try three-wheel car concepts because they don't have to adhere to crash testing. So it's a mm-hmm. way to duck that. Yes. Most people don't buy three-wheeled cars. In mass, we're not running out to buy three-wheeled cars. But he's just asking, is this company, does it have a shot? Because Eptira actually used to have a different design that you and I sat in at the LA Auto Show years ago that looked a lot more like the uh, Vanderhall we've driven. Yeah, it's It used true. to look like the Vanderhall. Now it's it true. looks like this crazy fish thing. It's supposed to be a... In most cases, you can never have to charge it because it pulls enough solar power. I am completely split down the middle on this, Steve, because I actually think it looks amazing. Do you? But I don't think it looks the least bit real. I mean, it's, it could be considered a sort of helicopter cockpit shape yes. or aircraft kind I think of it looks fantastic. It's just that it, it looks... 
here's the thing. It looks crazy in sci-fi in the way the Cybertruck looks crazy in sci-fi, which also isn't real. It's that kind of what's mm-hmm. that doing here on the road kind of thing. I think it's very cool looking. I love the concept. Aptera used to be an internal combustion engine car. It was like a three-cylinder thing that mm-hmm. got really good gas mileage. Now they're trying to go all solar. My issue is they've been around trying to do something for a long time. Yeah, I would love yeah. this to exist. I think three-wheel cars have an uphill battle to be taken seriously, and this doesn't look like a real thing that belongs on the road, even though I think put it in a movie. Blade Runner. Here, let's do this. See, that's just it. The concepts that designers come up with for movies definitely affect what people feel like should be real and shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. That looks like it fits in a movie, and I totally accept it for that. I don't want to drive that on the road. I don't want that in my garage. Yeah, There's definitely a dividing line, and this is definitely towards the fantasy filmmaking. And it looks cool, but you know, I look at that front, the, the front wheels that are just out there like an Indy car, a Formula One car yeah. on the most delicate of A-arms. Yeah. If you crash in a front three-quarter crash, maybe the body shell will protect you, mm-hmm. but suddenly you don't have steering capability on the slightest bump. You've seen Formula One drivers mm-hmm. barely brush a curb or a corner and you think, really, that collapsed the front suspension? That is super <laughs> fragile. That's You're the right. idea That's I point. get. You know, yeah. the, that front wheel will just be torn off, which means you don't have steering capability. Whereas modern cars, I mean, a NASCAR... <laughs> You can throw that thing off a cliff and you can still drive it around the track. You know what I mean? Because it's so protected. The wheels are protected. It's still maneuverable simply because of the crash structure around it. That's why cars look like they do. This is just the humans being protected. Everything else will fall off or break off. And (laughs) it's so delicate that I think, uh, I, I think for that reason, it won't be widely accepted. Jorge is asking about his 110,000 mile daily driver. He's mainly asking it because he's looking at current car prices and current used car prices and going, I should keep my current car for a while. He's got 110,000 miles on his daily. I don't know what that is, but you said you drive roughly 12,000 miles a year and you're going to keep it for a while. Pretty average. What should you change of the potentially worn out suspension? What would make it ride better? Now, Jorge, at this point, you've put enough miles on the car. Yes, it probably needs a suspension refresh. I don't know what car it is, so I can't speak to how the suspension is actually set up. There's a couple ways to go here. The simplest way is the dampers. You have, in the most fundamental way, you have a spring under there and you have a damper under there. The spring is your, is obviously looks just like a big massive spring. Don't, mm-hmm. don't mess with that unless you have the tool, by the way. Or you have your damper, which is essentially the actual shock absorber. Some cars, they're combined. It's a coilover. It gets much more complicated. I don't know what you're dealing with. But this, the simple version is get a new damper. Mm-hmm. They might just be listed as shock absorber for your car. Springs last a long time. Okay, spring yeah. would be fine. The new damper would probably surprise you. You don't even need to upgrade. Get the stock one again. I think you'd be very surprised mm-hmm. how much better the car rides. Last question for me. Peter, are you there? Is asking about the cars that we'd like to own someday. Do you think it's best to start with oldest, the oldest cars and work your way towards the newer ones? Do we think about availability or scarcity when considering our next purchase? Mm. And did that come up when we were considering the cars of the past? What you're asking for is the ethos that every car collector has for their collection. Mm. You're wondering about what's the through line through the car collection sure, thread. Sure, yeah. Many times, just I have a lot of money and I just bought all the Ferraris. I bought all the Porsches and the McLarens and I have them all and they're all green or they're all white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Because yeah. I can afford them. Yeah. Fine. But what I love are the through lines. Mm-hmm through collections that seem very eclectic. Yeah. You've got a Fiat Jolly and a Porsche 928 and a, you know what I mean? You just kind of these weird cars and they're not all expensive. They're not all the super glossy, Mm -hmm. hyper super car. They're like, what is that doing in your collection? Well, let me tell you the background on the car, the story that, you know, was my first car in high school or I, you know, first date car, you know, whatever. There's a story and there's a through line of, I had a significant life experience in each of these cars. Mm. Let me tell you the one that I had in that car right there. You would never believe this. Mm-hmm. I love that more than I love the shiny. Well, this had all the power and it's the best because it has all the numbers, you know, the lowest 
Todd, you know, uh, well, or the I have, whatever. You know, I what have I mean? one and you don't. D- demeanor exactly. is frustrating with car collection as well. But you know, when you have crazy chic, those money, seem then interesting and like, yeah, that's what I aspire to. I actually don't. Mm. I want the the life experience through line. And to echo Richard Griot, he said everything that's ever happened, good that's happened to him in life, has been. In or with a car. Related to a car, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Which is why he went back and started buying, you've heard him on our podcast, where he started buying like old cars he'd gotten rid of that had significant life events. Yes. He had that one 911 he bought again. Yes. Because it was, I think he took uh, Nick home from the hospital, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering the story correctly. Yep. But the key had bite marks from a dog that he'd lost forever ago, and when he got that car back, he saw the bite marks, and it made him cry. Awesome. It's just, you know, heart-wrenching. Like, there, there's a personal connection to that car, and it doesn't matter what it is. That's what I love. So, you know, in this case, Peter, I just have a passion for 928s. I love the shape. I love how they look. I love that Nardone 928. It's, oh, that's speaking my language I'm so sure much. It is, yeah. They're not the best car ever. They're really not. The car, automotive performance has far surpassed those cars. Sure, sure. It's not the point. I just love them. I've always, I had the Transformers model as a kid. I'm always obsessed over the shape. <laughs> I always feel like I've always sketched a car like that, mm, mm. you know. And here it is back in my life for relatively low cost compared to owning. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I didn't well, mean to laugh. No, sorry. no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I see. You know. Oh, you're restoring the Ferrari. Like, ugh, I got well, it yeah, easy. Fair point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Matt oh, Fair is spending a lot more than you are. I feel like I'm yeah. getting off. Not scot-free, but I didn't pay $200,000. I didn't pay a million bucks. You're getting off easy. I'm trying to justify my you, ownership, all right? This just, is, honestly, let me have the moment. All of you listening, <laughs> just know that this has become a little therapy session we do twice a week where, yeah. we just, where Paul talks about why the 928 is, is a good choice. But I it's will not, give you credit. I will not. give you credit that the car, every time you're doing something to it, you are bringing it back. You said it before. You're not tuning out of, out of class. You're tuning it back to stock, and you're bringing it more and more <laughs> yeah. worthwhile and back to a, to a car like it was when it was new. And I'm ex- actually excited for the North Road Trip coming up. Yeah. Because yeah. you're going to drive that car, I think, even happier and makes me want to drive it again. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be cool. Guys, thank you so much for writing to us. Really appreciate it. Look forward to hearing from you. And we're always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.